Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Kat Sadler, and it sure is a beautiful day. After such a bleak year, it's time for some joy, and I cannot wait for you to hear my fresh and fun new show. I crack open about mom life, relationships, wellness, and beauty, all the things. Plus, I have provocative conversations with some of the most fascinating and famous faces in pop culture. I'm here to lift you up and make you think. Check out It Sure Is a Beautiful Day with me and you every Tuesday. This is Amanda Hirsch from the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast. You might know me from Not Skinny But Not Fat on Instagram, where I spend my time talking about reality TV, celebrities, everything happening, and pop culture. I also talk to some of our favorite celebs and reality TV stars. We talk about what's going on. Tune in every Tuesday and just feel like you're talking with your best friends in your living room. Here we see you. I mean, we saw you on Michelle's season of The Bachelorette. You're this big, brolic dude. You were, you know, playing football. We jumped to conclusions in life, right? We're like, has to be, you know, prom king, has to be, you know, just this bro, but but not really, right? Like, your childhood was a little different and the way you grew up and everything. Yeah, I I think that's the biggest. Everyone's always heard the phrase, don't judge a book, like book from its cover or by its cover. Uh, sorry, I just butchered that one. Let me say that one more time. Don't judge a book by its cover. And that I think is a really good phrase that pertains to me because I don't think people realize, but I still have days where I look in the mirror and I see the seventh grade version of myself. I see the, the kid that suffered from body dysmorphia, that hated himself, that wasn't confident at all, that struggled with just talking to women and so I, I just, I, had, I really had a rough go at it when I was that age. Uh, and so I don't see often, sometimes when I look in the mirror in the mornings, I don't see who I am now, as far as from a physical perspective, I still have all these internal struggles and they were really brought to light through the show because well, I really made, really made some poor decisions, but my body dysmorphia has never left me. So that's every time I look in the mirror, I still think back to like the beginning stages of that. When I struggled in middle and high school with getting outside the friend zone with women uh, after I went on the show and did a terrible job, the whole like, Oh, this guy doesn't know how to interact with women. I mean, that, that resurfaced that fear or, or that thought and feeling that I had when I was young. And thankfully I'm now with Susie, my girlfriend, and she's beautiful. And like, I'm overall very happy, but I have these moments where old past feelings resurface and it, it leads. Well, tell me tell, for people that don't know, Body dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. What 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 is that exactly? Yeah. So, my understanding from the research that I've done is it's really it's having a a negative view of your own body that I think becomes something more than just a negative view. Though it's persistent uh, and it leads to negative emotions. For me, it's it's de- it's depression at times. It's just a negative self image is what it is, uh, and I mm-hmm. I don't see what others see. So I don't even when I have had the test done and I can see my body fat percentage is really low, I only see the areas of my body that I think are fat. And that's what I see overall. It's like you need to be in better shape because you don't like the way your stomach looks. doesn't matter if the tests reveal that I have an ultra low body fat. doesn't matter. Like my brain cannot wrap, it, wrap its head around it or its own mind around it that like, you're not fat, dude. I still just like have these days or if I skip a day or two at the gym or eat something and I'm bloated that I look in the mirror and I just don't like what I see. And I feel like I have to make changes. 
Do you feel like, I feel like with body dysmorphia and a lot of, you know, different eating disorder, body image issues, usually people associate those with only women, right? Like we we always think like women struggle with this. It's like a, a female issue, but here you are, you're really saying, no, it's not like dudes struggle with it. Even dudes that look the way that you do. Yeah. In fact, uh, as I've talked to individuals, uh, from a male demographic and, and even again, done some more reading online. Uh, I think this issue plagues a lot of a lot more men than you'd think. And, and, and actually a lot of men that just live in the weight room and just lift constantly mm. Some of the most fit individuals have the worst body dysmorphia. It's what's driving them back into the gym. It's and you, steroid use and steroid like use that because too. they're trying to, to convince their mind that like what you are seeing, like, let's get rid of that. So they look at their body and they're like, I'm not cut enough. You know, I'm, I'm not defined. So let me take some performance enhancers to get there. So then once I do that, maybe then I'll finally stop stressing over this negative self-image that I have. Maybe I'll finally love myself for who I am. And it's a vicious cycle. I mean, I have not taken any performance enhancers and I'm not going to because I don't want the negative side effects that comes with it. But have I had those thoughts that, yeah, if I took a performance enhancer, I would be a little bit more lean and it might eradicate my body dysmorphia issues. Yeah, I absolutely have had that thought a lot of times. Thankfully, I just am not willing to risk my health for it. And I've been able to get a better grasp on it in the last year or two where I think that I don't know if I'll ever eradicate it, but I can manage it. Yeah. So you were saying this started in seventh grade. What was going on with you in seventh grade? Were you a chubby kid? Did you feel different than the other kids in your class? Or was it always just like an internal struggle? So I never got my bat, uh, my, my body fat red in middle school, but I would say I had a terrible diet. You know, as a kid, you can eat everything in sight and you seemingly don't put any weight on, but I was eating pizza and macaroni and cheese and corn dogs. That was my diet for like all of seventh grade and up until through high school, because I am a creature of routine. And I still, I mean, I love Chipotle now. So Chipotle is my new thing, but I eat Chipotle three or four times a week. I just, I'm a creature of habit. What's your, what's your Chipotle order? It's uh, so I usually get two bowls to go, two bowls to go, two tortillas on the side. I get white rice, extra white rice, no beans, fajita veggies, pollo asado, and a scoop of just regular chicken pico corn guac lettuce and the secret ingredient, the salad dressing that you have to put on. Top. Oh, you ask for the salad. And dr- okay. Yes. You ask for the salad dressing on top. And then you said two types of chicken. Yeah. There's just a red, like they have the new pollo asado. It's just, uh, it's different flavoring of the chicken. So I just, I can't believe you get two chipotles. Well, I usually just get one for lunch and then one for dinner or for another time. <laughs> so I eat a lot of chipotle, but I just, I've always been a creature of habit and I like comfort. And in my life now, I'm pushing myself outside of my comfort zone in a lot of ways. I'm now cooking, like actually. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's been fun because uh, the the real drive behind that is I get to do it with Susie. So we actually have a ton of fun and it makes me want, like, look forward to cooking. But in the reality, if I didn't have her around, I wouldn't be probably cooking as often because it's, I just rather would just make something simple for the entire week, like meal prep once and then eat the same thing for six meals out of the, out of the week, which is what I did prior to the show. Uh, when I lived in Columbia, Missouri, I ate the same meal prep for 10 meals out of the week. Same thing for lunch and dinner. Wow. Okay. So how does a dude like you that, you know, has these different struggles end up on reality TV? Like, did it feel like weird for you and for people surrounding you being like, playing? that's not your vibe or what was it like? Yeah, I think people that were closest to me really questioned if going on reality television would be good for me because they knew that I was, I'm an introverted extrovert. Uh, I mean, probably more so introverted. I, I don't really care to... You know, I, I like to sit in the background. I like to be in, in, in my high school. I'd sit, I'd be at parties, but I'd just be in the background, just kind of existing. I was never the life of the party. So yeah, I think for reality TV, getting cast out in the spotlight, most of my loved ones would have been like, this isn't, this isn't you. Like, you're going to be at the forefront of it all. Uh, but when I first went on it, I was just one of 30 contestants. And long story short, I was not happy with where I was at in life. I was 28 years old. 
uh, when the when the uh, one of the recruiters came out and, and reached out to me via oh so they reached out to you yeah on Instagram yeah I, I got an Instagram like three four months prior so I just got an Instagram because I was I felt that Facebook was becoming outdated so none of my friends were on it I couldn't keep up with them so I I was like okay I have to get an Instagram now so I did and then about three Wait, months what later, were you posting that they seeked you out I feel like they look for like you know a certain. Uh, I fitness, fitness hashtags. So I, I went on, I started my first few posts. Yeah. 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 I put on like hashtag fitness on my first few Instagram posts because I was, you know, I had, I had a passion for fitness uh, and I was like, okay, I, I want to be able to help people out and just give them, you know, knowledge base and, and provide that for them. And so they, I guess they found me through the, the hashtag. Yeah. That is, so funny. Hashtags. People don't use hashtags as much. But yeah, everyone. I mean, you don't even have to explain it. Everybody, you know, used to use hashtags like I used to post before my Instagram, but like my personal one, I'd be like hashtag sunny day, hashtag beautiful girl. Like everybody yeah. fucking did that. So that's fun. That's interesting. I never thought about how casting directors find you. So they reach out to you and they're like, do you want to be on The Bachelorette? Uh, yeah. And that's exactly what they said. And at first I thought it was spam. I was like, this is, there's no way that this is the actual show. Cause I knew of the show. I had seen maybe four episodes. Well, maybe 10 episodes total. My mom watched it growing up all the time. So I'd always kind of like would walk by and see her watching it. And yeah, my, at the time, my ignorance, I thought oh, these guys are, these people are all just, uh, looking for, you know, for fame and, and maybe there's, there's some, you know, reality to that. But I just thought, oh, like to go on reality TV, you got to, you got to kind of be desperate. You got to be this, this, and this. And I had a lot of incorrect assumptions, uh, but I just was like, not into it. I didn't watch reality television. I just, that wasn't my thing. I watched documentaries. And so anyways, this recruiter reached out and I was like, I'll just entertain this. Like I'll, I'll kind of start going through the process. But like at the time I wasn't happy with my current position and uh, it, with work and I was looking for a new job. And I was about to actually I had a contract in my email to take a new job. I went to my boss and told him, and he was like, you don't want to take that. He's like, that's a trap. He's like, I'm just telling you, he's like, I care about you. And he really was looking out for me. I, and he said, did they tell you this, this, and this? I said, no. He goes, go back and ask him. I did. Sure enough, they were withholding information. And then I thought, oh my gosh, like, this is bad. So I was like, thank you. He's like, absolutely. But then I realized that I was like, well, now they know that I'm potentially looking to move. So I'm on mm -hmm. very shaky ground right now. So meanwhile, I was talking to this recruiter and they just, I kept taking more interviews and they kept being like, we love you. And next thing you know, at, at the end of it all, when my, you know, things were shaky, they were like, we want to bring you on the show. And I thought, well, if, you know, if I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump now because like it's, yeah. everything's so uncertain at this point. So that was the push I needed was to be in an unstable environment. For me to so make. did you leave your job or did you take like a vacation? Uh, I, I told them about it and uh, they said, okay, uh, how long is it going to be? I said up to two months. And they said, okay, I will, you know, you can come back when you're done, whenever that is. Uh, and if things change, we'll, we'll let you know. So that was, that was the way it was left. So did you know Michelle was going to be the bachelorette? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, that was my big thing was, so my reasoning for them taking the opportunity, because again, I, I wasn't looking to get famous. Like I wasn't looking to push my career. Really what I was hoping to do was I was like, okay, I probably won't get chosen by Michelle because that's a one in 30 chance. I was like, so the odds are stacked against me, but I figured if I You're went You're so on, pragmatic, Clayton. Oh, uh, I just... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. You're like, I'm not going to chosen. This is what's going to happen. Okay. I'm but I was like, like I, I thought, I'm like, you know what? Like, she's a teacher. My mom, I was like, my mom's a teacher. I have a lot of respect for them. Like she seems very down to earth. She doesn't seem like super wild where we won't have a connection. She's athletic. So I, we had a lot of like things that she had a lot of things that I liked about her. And I thought, okay, like this is a girl that I can see myself dating. So I felt very comfortable. Like, okay, I'm actually going to go here with the intention of potentially developing something. But I had in the back of my mind, I, pr I mean, one of 30 guys, what are the chances I'll be the guy? So I just, figured, okay, you'll go on the show. You'll be yourself. You're going to get sent home at some point, but then like some girl somewhere is going to watch the show and be like, I like that guy. Like, where did he say he was at Columbia? And then I figured they'd reach out to me on social media. I'd find my person via that by casting this wider net. They'd come to Columbia uh, and I'd have my same job and we'd live happily ever after. So that was my thought was like, okay, like I'll find my person by casting a wider net. 
because I just wasn't finding what I was looking for in Colombia at the time. Were you on dating apps? Yeah. And I will say a lot of it too. I met a, a lot of incredible women, but I mentally wasn't like, I, I mentally wasn't maybe giving some people chances. I kept every time that I would get more serious, I'd, I'd kind of freak out because I it had been like five years prior that I was in a serious relationship. And so I kept finding myself not really like ready to open up, which going then on the season with Michelle, I, I thought, well, I was like, I'll give it a chance, but I still was like kind of guarded and protected uh, of, of like that part of me. Um, and then just because it, I also, I guess the way I phrased it, I had was like, probably won't be chosen. But then all of a sudden I started to like, kind of like let my guard down. And I really like, I really liked her on that last date that I went on the, the museum date. I was like, this girl's really cool. Like I actually really like her. And, and then so I got sent home. Yeah. And I got sent home. So, <laughs> so, but, but in that moment I was like, wow, like I actually, for the first time, finally looked at somebody since like my last girlfriend that I was viewing her in the lens of like, I can see my, I can see a life with this person. And, and it felt good. It was exciting. And it just reminded me of like, being in a relationship and what that felt like because I hadn't felt that in so long. And so uh, it opened me back up to it. And I was like, I really want to be in a relationship now. Like a lot of this was a mental block of my own doing, but now like Michelle has opened me back up to like wanting to actually date and I'm not going to keep putting up these walls. Well, that's really cool because you did like Michelle is one of the best. I feel like people in Bachelor Nation. She, I remember when she got cast, I was kind of like, she's too good for the franchise. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she's just so, such a yeah. normal girl. Yeah. So I feel like you really hit the the, the mark with that one. Mm-hmm. I forget though. Bring me back to the when she sent you home on the one on one. Did you do the crying in the cab? Like, I'm not good enough. Like the thing that everybody does, or were you not as broken? that word. <laughs> that was my, that was my catchphrase for all of my season. But no, I, I didn't cry when she sent me home because I, I was a little, well, again, I knew that it was a potential, it was a possibility because she sent me home. And if I would have been given a rose, I would have been at her, like she would have, we would have been at hometowns. So she would have met my family. So there were eight men left at that point. But I was, you know, I was going to be, I was the first one to get that one-on-one that week. So it was like, do or die. It's like, either you're going to be knocked out at somewhere in the number four to eight, or you're going to make it into hometown. So I was like in that spot and I knew the stakes were high. So I was like, just be yourself, enjoy this day, make the most of it. And, but I had in the back of my head, I was like, okay, like this could be the last, the end of the line for you. Cause the next thing she's going to do is meet your family. If she decides to give you a rose. And so the date I thought went really well. It was fun. We enjoyed it. And I was feeling really confident. And so when she picked up the rose and then she said, but I was like, oof. And I, at that point, like I knew, but I knew prior because I started reading her body language towards the end of the dates. I think she respected me. She liked me as a person, but she was just like, I have four other stronger contenders, people that I like more. And this is just the end of the line for him. So when she sent me home, I, I went into the cab and I was just happy. I was happy, like not because she sent me home, but because I was just like, this was a really great experience. And I've, oh, good. And I feel that like I, she helped me learn a lot about myself and I feel valued and I feel ready to tackle the next stage of my life. But oh, then I ended, up, I ended up crying when the kids wrote the letters because I just, I envisioned oh. them being like my, my, my kids. Like the one girl, she said, I, I wish I had an older brother like you. And, and not, I felt like in that moment that I was her older brother, but I also thought like, I was reading it from the perspective of if I had a daughter that this is, this might be like what she would write to me. And it's just like, I just burst out and I couldn't hold it. Oh, because one of your dates, she took you to her classroom, right? Yeah. Not to the classroom, but like we had a, uh, the kids came through to the hotel we were at and we did like a fun day. We built pillow forts. We were drawing. I got my nails painted. Uh, and then, so I met some of them there and then I met more of the kids, uh, while on that one-on-one date, they were standing outside before we went into the museum and the two kids, yeah, Kelsey and Luke were brother and sister. And, uh, they, yeah, they were the ones that wrote me the letters. Just thrive. Gonna be okay. Just thrive. Okay. So you guys probably know already that your gut is literally the brain of your body and we need to really take care of our gut. 
I really love the Just Thrive probiotic. It's recommended by some of the biggest names in the health industry, and it's a game changer for helping you with gas, bloating, and constipation. I'll try anything that can help with that. Thank you very much. Just Thrive, you guys, is the brand of probiotics that I use. I know personally as Amanda that when my gut doesn't feel good, I don't feel good. When my stomach hurts, it goes up to my chest, tightening. I'll literally get anxiety. That's how gut health affects me. So I need to make sure to keep my tummy good. They also offer Just Thrive has a new formula. It's called Just Calm, which like, let's be honest, I need. So they have proprietary ingredients that have been clinically proven to do the like really almost unimaginable, reduce perceived stress, improve sleep quality and energy, and just give you more focus. So the Just Thrive probiotic and Just Calm make the perfect one to punch to beat stress before it beats you. Right now you can get 15% off this dynamic duo when you go to justthrivehealth.com and use code NOTSKINNY at checkout. So NOTSKINNY will get you 15% off all Just Thrive products or this dynamic duo, which I super recommend, Just Thrive Probiotic and Just Calm. I feel like we need to bring it back to department stores today. Everyone goes to gazillion stores. There's a freaking, you know, underwear store. Like everything is so specific nowadays. Let's bring it back to the basics. Let's bring it back to Macy's where if you're looking for like new denim, for example, you could try on all the styles and all the brands there. You want to check out Seven for All Mankind. You want to check out True Religion. You want to check out Levi's. Macy's will have it all. You want to see if flair looks good on you. You want to see if you look good in a straight leg or you're keeping it subtle with denim logos and patchwork details. You literally can find everything at Macy's. Every generation has had their iconic denim moment. Macy's can help you find the cut that feels like you were put on this earth to do it justice, which is not, and I repeat, is not low rise jeans. Whether you're keeping things sleek in a straight leg or throwing it back with flair, you make it style. For all the denim inspo you need right now, visit macy's.com slash own your style. And if you need a little help finding your footing or you know you just need a little pointer, pair up with one of Macy's personal stylists. They'll help you put your look together either in store or from the comfort of your own home. Best of all, it's totally free. So head on over to Macy's.com slash personal stylist to book your appointment today. That's Macy's.com slash personal stylist. So you had a really great experience with Michelle. And how are you feeling, you know, given your the things that you struggle with in that house with 30 bros, you know, that did you have this competitive side come out? Were you feeling insecure? Like what was going through your mind in that way? Oh, yeah, I was. Yeah, very uh, insecure. I've been a very insecure person most of my life. I battle with it. I go back and forth. I think in this last six, seven months, I've been forced to address it. And that's why overall, I have a very positive outlook on what's all happened to me. Because I had to find I was like, you have to love yourself before no one else is gonna like be you can't expect everyone else to love you. You have to love yourself. But when I was on Michelle's season, I had so much support from those guys. I talked about it openly. I was like, I just I'm like, I don't feel like I compare to y'all. Some of you guys. I mean, the first person I saw was Nate, when I happened to like come out of my room to like go down to the limo. I saw Nate, six foot eight guy, very good looking dude. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I might go home tonight. And I was like, and then I, then like limo after limo, these guys, I'm, they're coming down the steps and I'm like, these dudes are good looking guys. And then I'm like, what do you do for work? And one guy's like, oh, I play in the NFL right now. The other guy's like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I have two companies. And other guys like, you know, tech sales. And I'm like, these dudes are not slouches. They have like, they got the looks, they got the background. They're funny. They're like all this stuff. And I was just like, I questioned, I was like, man, this is probably gonna be a night one exit for you, man. You're just, you don't, you don't hold a candle to them. But I started having these conversations throughout the season. And these dudes, like there was so much people didn't see where we were having heart to hearts with each other, where guys were like, Hey, dude, get that, that mindset out of your head. Like, there's a reason you're here. Like you are very much like you should be very happy with who you are as a human being. Like you're very impressive. And that was like, that was happening. I had that with Nate. Nate and I had that conversation one day. One time he had my back. One time I was there for him when he needed it. 
Brandon, my best friend from the show. Uh, I we was going to these- ask, who are you still close with from the show? Most of them, honestly. I mean, I, uh, I, I, uh, my closest relationship is with Brandon. He, that man continues to teach me more and more. He is such a sweetheart. And, uh, he taught me the power of journaling. He taught me the power of doing the little things, uh, just keeping your significant other in mind. Since I was his roommate, I watched him as he did these things on the show and I now implement them in my life and just waking up every day and trying to do one thing to show Susie that, uh, I love her and care for her. Just being mindful of that, it goes so such a long way. And that was something that he taught me. It was just That's so cool. you don't have to do you don't have to allocate ten hours out of your day or give someone more time. What you have to do is give them more effort. Like that's all that matters. And if that's a five second act, as simple as me, she likes to brush her teeth in bed. So if I get up in the morning and I put some toothpaste on her toothbrush and bring it to her while she's laying there, like that, just those little things add up. And I think. How does she brush her teeth and where she, where did she spit it? She, she gets out of bed. But what she does is Susie gets, she wakes up, she goes, yeah. puts her toothpaste on, then goes back to bed, lays down, brushes her teeth and gets back up, goes, spits it out. She just likes oh to brush her God. teeth in bed. That's so cute. Okay. So I love to hear that. So lots of support, which I wish we did see more of, especially, you know, with the girls, because we know how lots of these seasons in the Bachelor franchise, and I do want to talk to you about that later in our conversation is like, you know, we get to see a lot of the bullying and a lot of that. And it's sad to see that there is this support network that made you feel better and that we don't get to see as much, but I'm happy to know that it exists. Wait. So what's wild about you is that you were announced bachelor before we saw you on Michelle's season. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, Gosh, I mean, I when I got sent home, I was from Michelle's season. I was back on a plane within a month uh, to go start airing or or start filming my season. So it was a quick, very quick turnarounds, and nobody knew who I was. Like nobody, yeah. When they announced me as a bachelor, or when it leaked, or whatever you want to say, Michelle's season hadn't hadn't even aired yet. Oh, it leaked. It wasn't supposed to leak. Like we weren't supposed to know. I don't. It was an official announcement from ABC. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so we find out that you're the Bachelor. We're like, that usually doesn't happen, right? We're like, wait, who's this dude? We haven't seen him before. And then it's like, oh, he's going to be on Michelle's season. And then we assume it's like we go in with such high expectations from you, right? We're like, apparently this dude Clayton, he's going to be on Michelle's season. He's already the bachelor, so we know he either goes really far, leaves a huge mark. Like, did what was that pressure like knowing that the whole world is just waiting to form opinions and see like why you were chosen before even really giving you the opportunity to to show us? Yeah. Well, that was out of my hands at that point because it was up to the editors. Uh as far as I, I'm like, you have to, they're gonna show what they show and either it's going to be a bachelor worthy edit, quote unquote, or people are going to be left asking, wait, that's it. Like, why is this guy our bachelor? But it's a oh, very- you mean of your time on Michelle's season. Right, right, yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. And because I, I read that as I was going in before I or as I was on my season and stuff, people were questioning why, who is this dude? What is it? Uh, and I guess when I finished filming, then I started watching Michelle's season and uh, I saw the comments and people are like, where, where, like, why is this? Like, I wasn't, and I wasn't maybe shown a lot, but I think this is where I would say from a show standpoint, it had, it, it, I think it's important people have to keep in mind that like, it was Michelle's season, right? It was her season. And it was a very interesting, like a very interesting dynamic where like the current or upcoming bachelor was already announced while it was her season. Right. And so I think like the show, in my opinion, was trying to protect the integrity of her season and not take away from her by highlighting me. And so I think that's why I wasn't shown as much as I was uh, shown, which I was perfectly fine with. I, I was like, that's, I don't, I wouldn't want to take away from Michelle either. Like she's an incredible woman. She deserves her own season. This, This focus needs to be on her. So this is all just a speculation I, at the end of the day. But I mean, yeah, I, I was shown for the time that I was shown. And then people were like, well, OK, either they were happy by what they saw or they were still like, well, I don't feel like I know enough about this guy. 
Yeah, I feel like if you were given, you know, just Clayton, another contestant on Michelle's season, and that stood alone without the pressures of we're watching you and we have to see why you, you know, deserve to be The Bachelor, that would feel like so much less pressure. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? On you. Like it usually goes, I feel like you find out at the end and here it's like it was before it aired. So you're like you go into it kind of expecting, okay, what happened? You know, what was this huge, you know, moment that that made him The Bachelor? So you were saying that you were reading some comments. You were so you 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 were doing that, which isn't, you know, so smart, but I get it. Uh, Yeah, no, it was terrible for my mental health. I uh, but I just curiosity has always gotten the best of me. And I kept having people telling me time and time again to stop doing it. Uh, Everybody I spoke to, I mean, they were like, you have to stop. It's not going to help you. It's only going to hurt you. But my thought was, was I was reading it because I wanted to know just what people were saying, but I also was wanting to see if I could somehow change that narrative or, or yeah, it was my people pleaser mentality that I've, that I've since like realized I have to shake off. I was like, you, but at the time I was trying to figure out like, okay, here's what people are saying. Can I somehow address this so that they no longer feel this way? Uh, and that just, this just stems from when I was a child. I, I just never, I always felt like I was in the shadows of my brother who was a stud athlete two years younger than me. I just, I felt like I was, I was always seeking attention and I never felt valued. And, and my parents were loving. They were incredible. This was all placed on my own shoulders by my own self. Uh, but I think that I always had been a people pleaser. And the second I heard any bit of criticism, I was like, how do I fix this? It didn't even have to be, it could be, it, mm. could, it didn't have to be con- even constructive. It could have been flat out, just straight up hatred towards me. And I'd still read it and be like, how, how can I get them to like, see this, like, you. like me, how yeah. do they come to like me? And I, and I just kept trying to do that. I'd read these comments, but I will say that in a way it did actually benefit me to continue reading them because I realized that. I was immature. I lacked empathy at points during my season and I had a lot of grow- yeah, growing up to do. And so reading these comments, while some of them weren't constructive, maybe a lot of them weren't, there were actually some constructive ones in there. And one of the most constructive comments that I read and many variations of it, but they said something, you know, Clayton continues to defend his actions post-show. Uh, I don't have a, you know, I don't think his intentions were bad. The problem is, is that he's, He's, it seems like he's choosing not to see the other side. Like he, I think his intentions were pure, but he's not taking accountability for his actions. And he's, and he doesn't seem to be putting his, his, himself in their shoes. And I read that and I, I just kept digesting it. And I thought about it and I was like, you know what, when you were the bachelor, like you never did step back and try to put yourself in their shoes. You assumed, I made assumptions that everyone saw things through my lens that like, he's mm. the bachelor. So this is, this is how the show happens. This is what happens. And there's no surprises, oh. but I, that was my massive mistake was making these assumptions. First of all, I do want to give you some credit here because I also thought that you did a, a very cute job on, you know, Twitter, you would make fun of yourself, which we always love to see. You had some great self-deprecating tweets, whether it was about, um, what was that like a sweater you were wearing or? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I was wearing the, the, the hoodie blazer combo, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. which I still like. Hoodie. I still feel yeah. like that's fashionable, but people, I, I was getting ripped for it, but I was like, I don't, yeah. I would have, I, and I said that in the, the, uh, uh, on Twitter, I said, if it was up to me, I would have worn this every single, every single episode. They, yeah. they, they shut that down very quickly. Yeah. So I like that. I like that you had those, you know, self-deprecating moments and good for you for listening, you know, trying to find, I mean, cause Bachelor Nation fans and you know, the, the, the really intense ones, they can be, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a big, big group of people that have very, very strong opinions. So I can't, you know, imagine what you went through, but let's talk about your season for a second. So first of all, I want to know, Going into being the bachelor, you're saying that it was a month between when you ended on Michelle's season to, to going on your own. When you were offered this, were you immediately down? Did you have any moments where you were like, oh, should I do this? Should I not do it? Or were you just like, let's go? No, I was all in. Uh, I had such an incredible experience on Michelle's side mm-hmm. of things on The Bachelorette that when they came to me, I, I just, the first time they said it, they're like, well, what do you think about being The Bachelor? I was like, 
I just, I just, I was standing and I was like, Oh, and I just like my massive grin on my face. And I'm like, you know what? Normally I'd say, let me take a few you know days to think about it. And, and they're like, well, you can, you definitely can. And I was like, yeah, no, I was like, I feel like I had so much fun on this side of things. I was like being on the driver's in the driver's seat where I am able like to have kind of be able to make those decisions. And like, I will end up if I choose to like, finding love from this and it's a guarantee almost because on the other side as a contestant I was one of 30 so I was like well, that's the one in 30 chance of finding love whereas I'm like okay now I have 30 times the chance of finding love on this side of things and so I was like yeah I'm down I'm here to like find, settle down and find a relationship so yeah this is like a no-brainer okay and did you night one do you feel like looking back if you could place yourself there could you see Susie? being like a standout like did she stand out to you did yeah. you feel like a bigger connection with her than with the other girls yeah i mean she she knows this we had a really great connection night one i liked her a lot she was my first one-on-one so i mean i you know i liked her uh, a bunch but you know again i there was it wasn't an, it was enough to put her in like the top whatever you want to call it, right like i had to in my head conceptualize okay 30 people here and it's kind of just the way the system goes like you you don't want to rank but in your head you're like i have to know who my strongest connections are night one so you kind of build this mental list and yeah she was she was somebody that left a massive impression on me night one and i was like i like this girl but i also at the time like liked a lot of other people too i was like these a lot of these women i was like are incredible and i'm from a small town in missouri you'd be lucky if you found one of these women i was like and here's 30 incredible ones i'm like i'm on cloud nine i'm totally in over my head but I was just so giddy. I was so excited. I was like, this is crazy. Like, I'm going to definitely find my person. <laughs> this is, I mean, it is like the the dream, right? It's like, here's 30 good looking, you know, uh, uh, smart uh, women that, that are here for you. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like that's every man's dream. Did you feel off the get go that the bachelor experience for you was was as good as being a contestant on Michelle's season where you had such a great time or were you like, wait, this isn't feeling like the same vibe. Yeah. I mean, again, it's all perspective and it all depends on timing. So had you asked me this a few months ago, I would have said, I regret all of this. I wish I wouldn't have done it. And I said that on interviews, I was like, I would never do it again. Uh, but you know, that's where insight and sometimes you just need to let time go by and pass. And then you can have, you can gain a new perspective. Uh, when I, now that I look back at it, I had equally just as much fun on one side as the other for different reasons. Like on Michelle's side of things, I just enjoyed meeting these guys that I'm still close with. Uh, and so like I, those are friends for a lifetime. So uh, we just, I enjoyed just growing out. We, we, there's so many things that we did that were off camera, like just having pool days, you know, DJing and like just partying it up in the hotel. Like we had so much good, so many good times on the, you know, lead side of it, I got to do crazy, crazy things. Like the dates were incredible. I never traveled. I never went to Europe ever prior. So I got to go twice, you know, to Vienna, Austria and Havar, Croatia. And I got to go to Iceland. And like, I was just blown away. I was taking helicopters and landing on yachts and jumping off the yachts. And it was just, yeah, it was it was mind blowing to me. I was like, this is absolutely incredible that I get to have these experiences. It was fun in that aspect of like, it opened my eyes to this whole new world that I had never seen from the comforts of Missouri. Oh my God. PhD feminine health. They're reinventing holistic feminine care and wellness solutions that help millions of women feel confident and comfortable. They have these amazing boric acid suppositories that are the number one best-selling holistic, affordable doctor recommended solution for vaginal odor. They also have a boric acid wash, which that's really, really easy to use if you don't want to pop a suppository. They also have boric acid moisturizing suppositories that are the holistic solution for vaginal odor while moisturizing our vagina. Our feminine health is to be celebrated. Our feminine health is to be taken care of, okay? That's a really important area to be taken care of and you can't just be shoving up soap up your vagina, okay? You need to take care of it. You need to make sure that it's like balanced up in there, okay? If you're looking to take care of your 
feminine health, look no further than PhD. PhD believes that vaginal care is crucial to your overall well-being. Register now at phdfeminineinhealth.com slash win to receive a free summer gift basket, which contains lifestyle products at a retail value of over $100 plus a $500 Visa gift card. Go to phdfeminineinhealth.com slash win. Also, you could get 20% off all products right now using the code NOTSKINNY at phdfeminineinhealth.com slash win. Oh, I love when I do Sakara. Now I miss it because there is nothing like having your fridge full of ready-to-go healthy, nutritious, plant-based meals. Sakura is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Having that delicious, colorful, nutrient-dense salad with an amazing, amazing dressing that like, I don't know how they make it with superfoods in it and just things that are great for your mind, body, and soul. That's Sakara for you. I love doing their meal plan. It brings me back. It brings me back when I'm like, Amanda, you lost it. You literally don't know what you've been eating. You've been eating like shit and you've been ordering out and you you need to reel it in. So Sakara does that for me. It's all made with quality ingredients. Uh, it's plant rich and it's literally transformational nutrition and they provide results from reduced bloat and eased digestion to clear skin and boosted energy and moods. And most importantly, it's the ease of having ready to go meals that you know are so freaking good for you. They also have an amazing best-selling metabolism super powder that I'm obsessed with. Sakara's products are designed to help your wellness goals anytime, anywhere. And right now, Sakara is offering my listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash not skinny or enter code not skinny at checkout. That's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash not skinny and get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash not skinny. So, okay, we have to talk about the obvious, which is the Rachel and Gabby situation. I feel like looking back at it when I was thinking about it. So you have Rachel and Gabby and Susie. You get to the fantasy suites, which we all know is like, you know, you either do something intimate, talk all night. I mean, we we assume what fantasy suites are. Okay. And then Susie asks you if you were intimate slash if you told other people you love them and you admitted that you that you have. And she gets really upset and tells you that she can't see herself doing this. And you send her home. You got mad at her, right? For like, you were kind of like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, I had, again, my insecurities resurfaced. Uh, at that point, I thought, is she just looking for a way out? Mm. That, that was in my head. I was like, she's, she's planning her exit right now. Completely false. But that was my narrative that I uh, basically persuaded myself. Because it felt I, like by it was- the way, I, by the way might have thought that too for a moment. Like when I was watching, there was a moment where I was like, wait, I mean, I I just want people to also see your side because I know that you're remorseful and and I want to hear what you have to say. But I also think as a viewer, we are skeptical of these people, right? Like we're like, why'd you come? Are you trying to be famous? Are you like, what's your vibe? So I think that it, as a viewer, I was also like, wait, 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 but she knows like what goes down and like, why would she all of a sudden leave? Like, maybe she's not that into him. I feel like it's it's it was a thought that crossed our minds as well as viewers, I will say. Yeah. And I, I, I think people saw my perspective, but where a lot of people were upset was how I treated her in that moment to which like right. I absolutely am was embarrassed by and, and very remorseful and, and wish that I would have went about it differently. But I was very yeah insecure in that moment. And I thought I convinced myself, I was like, she's fi- looking for a way out. And then my mind instantly went to what if the other women that are still here are also looking for their outs or are going to. And so then I was like, I can't trust anything right now. Like I, mm. this whole, this whole thing has been a lie. And so I just convinced myself of it. And I became very freaked out because yeah, we all know that like, here for the right reasons. I mean, that, that phrase is constantly echoed by fans. Uh, but, but we all know that as contestants too, that like a lot of these people are probably here to advance their careers in some way, shape or form, because it does offer career advancement opportunities. So we're not blinded by that or, or, or we're not, we're very cognizant of that. And as the lead, yeah. as the lead, you always question, like, are you here for me or are you here to just make it to a certain point 
and then you're going to hop off just at the right time to get that bachelor or bachelorette mm. edit. So it's, uh, it's just a fear that you have that will lead or not. It's like you're, you realize that you're like, I could be being played right now. I mean, and that's what that was. That was always a thought on my mind. Did the producers try to chill you out? Like what was, what was their involvement in, in those moments? Like how did they support you? Yeah. I mean, again, I think you have to understand that like they also, I mean, I don't know how much they know, but there's so many of them. And I had my, you know, producers and they were shocked you know, at the time. Like they were like, Whoa, you know, but like, and I, and I had a producer that she was in tears. I mean, she was absolutely bawling her eyes out. She was like, I feel so bad. Like, I know you want this to work so badly. And it, it, it meant a lot to me because I could see it was a true emotion was coming out. And so I, I was, they were there and they were trying to console me, but, but yeah, I mean, ultimately I, I, I and Jesse was incredible. Jesse was there. I mean, checking in on me on and off camera and was like, dude, like we, I mean, he was there for me every step of the way, but like I had convinced myself at that point that I or was questioning everything. And I was in this very volatile position. And I just, yeah, I don't know if at that point anyone was really going to get through to me. Cause it feels like do you, to look at it, like the most like broken down to me and tell me if you agree is like, you were kind of like, why the hell am I getting in trouble for something that I'm supposed to do here? Right? Like I went, I did the thing that everybody does. Like, why is this? Why is she mad? Like, why is she even mad? Why is this going to mean that we can't continue? Like, I don't get it. And, and yes, you were, I remember you had some aggressions. It, it was coming out. Do you think like you were so angry because you were just so upset that Susie, who you thought would like probably make it to the end, is literally leaving. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't made my decision fully at that point as far as if it was going to be her or not. But I was I was leaning towards her at that point. I was like mm. this. I, I go, you know, I in my head, I thought, you don't know what's going to happen tonight as far as conversations when the camera stopped rolling. She might drop a, a something on you, some news that like you can't move forward with her. So I, I, I was like this. Nothing's a guarantee. We might find that there's a pressure point that's like we can't get past. So I, but I, you know, after having the previous two dates, I thought, okay, like I will know at the end of this date who I'm going to end up with. Like, this is like the last date of of the week. And then going forward, I was like, I'll, I'll have basically all the answers. Like I can't keep holding, you know, like I I have to make a decision, right? I don't want to make a decision on proposal day. I want to make sure I make this decision before that point. But yeah, I mean, I, what I, what, where the breakdown was is, and I want to be careful in the way I say this because it's just like, I don't want to defend what I was doing, but in my head, I thought like I had adapted to this environment of polyamory of dating multiple people. And I adapted to it and became this person who was compartmentalizing relationships. And like when I was with that person, I was with this person. Then when I was with that person, I was dating that person. And so I was forcing myself essentially to like be in this polyamorous environment. And I adapted to it, but Susie never did. Susie was Mm -hmm. just dating me the entire time, nobody else. And she had this monogamous mindset. And as I look back at it now as a monogamous person, I'm like, that's disgusting. Like what you did, like you, you shouldn't have taken these actions. Like what makes you think you were going to be intimate with somebody? And then two days later, propose to someone like, it's just like, I, and this is just my opinion. Some people look at it differently, but I look back at it now and I'm like, you are a monogamous person. Like that's the way you view it. As far as when it comes to being in a serious relationship, this is where the disconnect was. It's like, you were living in this reality. She was living in this reality. It came to a head and I couldn't falter at all for it in that moment. But I was just shocked because in that moment on the show, I thought, well, don't you understand how this show works? Right. Right. Do you think she would have left if you wouldn't have been like, can I walk you out? Do I think she would have left if I wouldn't have said that? Yeah, because it. I, f- I remember on the show, it's kind of like you told her. Do you think she would have left anyway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she. Yeah. I think she was just wanting to talk longer, and I was done. I was like, I don't. Oh, gotcha. want to, I don't want to continue this conversation. Like she was wanting to like continue the conversation and just like be able to leave on a good note. She was trying to like. She's like, I don't really like how this is being left. I want to leave on a good note if possible. It's like, and I was like, No, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to hear it. Too. Gotcha. What would you have done differently in that situation? Looking back, Clayton. 
taking a deep breath and not just went to jump to conclusions. I mean, mm. I, my biggest mistake was making assumptions. If I knew what I knew now, I would have went back and I would have said, okay, let me try to, let me actually try to see things from her, her perspective, as opposed to me trying to convince her mm-hmm. of like why I th- I'm thinking the way that I do. Like I was trying to get her to see my side, but I was, I should have spent more time trying to see her side. Gotcha. And then the next kind of scene we have is, you know, the infamous Gabby and Rachel crying their eyes out for you. I mean, really like, wow. I remember the tears were, were intense Mm -hmm. and it was because at that point, did you remind me, did you decide to call off the ceremony? Were you done? Why were they crying? Uh, Because I kind of, I mean, I blindsided them. Like, you know, I, I, I really poured into those relationships, but to hear that somebody that you care about has expressed feelings to other people and has been intimate with other people. Oh, you told them, right. You announced it to them and that's why they were so upset. Yeah. Got you. yeah, and rightfully so. I mean, it's not, a, you don't want to hear that, but I just, I felt like I had to be transparent and honest, but obviously like that is terrible to hear. And so you don't, nobody wants to hear that when they care about somebody. I mean, right. But also there is the side that that is the show. And I mean, Ben Higgins did it. Ben Higgins told very loved, right? Ben Higgins is one of the most loved bachelors. He told, I remember he was like the first that did it. He told Jojo and Lauren that he was falling from them both. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess from what I know is I didn't do anything that hasn't been done before. I was just more vocal about it than anybody has ever been. Mm. My thought again at the time was I need to tell these women because if I do move forward with both of them or like, and then eventually just one of them, what I've done is going to come out. Right. So like they need to know. And if they, and I thought if they're going to move forward with me, they need to know everything now. I don't, I don't want to like push this off and have to tell them down the line. So I just felt that it was important to like leave it all out there. I I thought if Susie left after like hearing this information, then I, I deserve to tell these women like they just, or they deserve to know as well. So they can make that decision if they want to stay or not. I don't want to continue to like hold them here. Not knowing the full story was my thought. Sorry, Clayne. I'm literally like now bring myself back. And I'm like, why? Because that is the show. I mean, three get to go on fantasy suites. Usually they're intimate in some shape or form. We all know the scene. You wake up next to the person. You're like, it's such a good night. I mean, even if you don't say I love you, like, the lead does go to fantasy suites with three women. And I don't think we've ever seen a situation or maybe we haven't. I can't remember. Maybe it with Colton where he was like, just Cassie, but where the, the lead does have feelings for the final three and does want to spend the night with them in some shape or form. The lead doesn't say to one of them, like, listen, I'm not that into you. Like the other girl, I actually love you. Not so much. Like, I feel like the lead is always kind of making it seem, especially the way it's edited to us is like, we don't know who's going to win because we kind of see the lead vibing with the final three. So why were people so angry with you? That's not, you know, that's not my question to ask. I guess at the end of the day, it's not my decision to choose what, why people see me the mm. way they do. I mean, I think my honesty in the way that I don't want to say even that, like it makes it seem like I'm trying to make an excuse or to say like, Oh, it's just honesty, my actions. And the way that I handled things were different from what anyone else has done uh, as far as just the way that I chose to go about it. People didn't like that. I did the dual breakup with both of them. Mm. People didn't like the fact that I convinced them to stay and then ended up breaking up the second time. Uh, I was, you know, seen as I was dragging them along mm. and you know, I, like I, I get it. Like I totally get it. My actions, like I, was emb- I was embarrassed by them. And at the end of the day, I realized that I was like, I, I don't, deserve or I shouldn't ask the question of why me and why did they not go after other people I'm thankful that people didn't like the fans didn't go after right. other people that have done this in the past like they did me because it's a lot and I think it's really will tear somebody down but I don't I don't look at it like why didn't you guys go after them I just figured right I looked at it like Clayton this is your reality and how can you become a better human being from all this don't you, you can't you can only control what you can control don't ask the why questions as far as why me ask you know how can I become a better individual from all this? Like why am I guess the, only, the only why I had is, you know, why am I going through this as in from a, you know, what can I, what's the greater reason for the, mm. for, for all of this happening to me? It was meant to be me. And I was meant to take those actions so that I could grow, address my ego, 
address my people pleasing weakness. And from it, I had to be t- torn all the way down uh, in order for me to build, build myself back up stronger. So I don't have any question now about why I had to go through what I went through. Tell me how you and Susie then rekindled your relationship. Because then we see you on, on After the Final Rose and you're back together. Yeah, she reached out to me shortly after the show. She just needed some time to clear her head after all that had happened. She said, listen, like I, she basically told me since, like I saw something in you and I saw that there was potential. Like I knew that you'd screwed up and I wasn't happy with what, not even that I, like she wouldn't even say that I screwed up. She was, she was like, I get why you did what you did. I just didn't agree with it, but I wasn't going to hold that against you. She's like, I didn't like what, uh, how it all happened, but she's like, I just felt that I should reach out to you. I felt mm-hmm. that there was potential for this to be, to be something still. So she gave me a second chance and thankfully she did because I, I don't know if I would have made it through. I don't think I would have had the growth that I've had if it wasn't for her alone. I mean, the, the most beautiful thing of it all is and Susie and I are like any other humans. We don't have, we don't, we can't see in the future. We've, we've had this conversation many times. Like, are we each other's person? Like, and what if we're not? And we said, ultimately we came to this decision. Like we don't need to be in a relationship for anybody other than ourselves. We're not doing this for bachelor nation or anything like that. But we both came to the conclusion that we're like, you know what, no matter what happens, we'll forever be thankful for being a part of each other's life because we both made each other better human beings. You guys are so deep. Yeah. I mean, we don't know if this relationship, we're like, we don't know if it's, if it's going to be a month long from here, if it's going to be lifetime, but like, there's no pressure. Like, let's just love each other and be thankful that like, and we are thankful that we're in each other's lives. So whatever that looks like, I mean, we're very, very happy right now and in a really great spot, but yeah, it's, we've, man, we went through it uh, together though. Thankfully she's been on my side. It's the only reason why I can sit here with so much positivity is because of her. Wow. Are you living together currently? Yeah, currently uh, we are in Virginia Beach, but our, our next step actually is I'm moving to Scottsdale and then she's going to move in the interim to LA. Only a 50 minute flight apart, but we're both chasing our dreams. Uh, and I think for location wise, we both feel that those are the spots that we want to be. But again, we see it as like, I mean, I'm working on my computer 10, 12 hours a day. So she was like, Clayton, I, I just want to, I'll move to LA like, and, and then we can travel on the weekends to see each other. And we'll see. I mean, we don't know if we're going to like that long distance. Um, right. I'm worried. I'll be honest. This worries me. This yeah. news worries me. Yeah. And I get that. But we are aware of that too. We're like, you know, people might look at it as like, oh, they're separating. But this past weekend, she went to film a wedding and I missed the hell out of her. And like when she came back, it was like that distance makes the heart grow fonder. I, we're, I mean, we haven't been able to keep our hands off each other. We've just been like attached to each other's side. And so I think I think a little distance, you know, never hurts because we've been sitting some days. We sit by each other 10 hours a day on our computers and you might be close. She's a wedding for she's a wedding photographer. Yeah. Wedding photographer, videographer. But she, you know, she wants to, she has her own dreams and aspirations. And I think we're going to give it a shot. We're not, I mean, if it doesn't work and like, we're like, we don't like this distance, it's hurting us. Then we'll just, we'll just, one of us will move to the other person. What do you have to say to this season of The Bachelorette? Have you watched? What do you think of the two Bachelorettes? Are you happy for Rachel and Gabby? What do you think of the night one digs? You know, overall, I, I just wish those two nothing but the best. I mean, after everything that they've been through, uh, I just I just want them to be happy. You know, they they didn't deserve what all had ha- happened to them. And so uh, I just want to see them find the happiness that I found. Uh, and so that's the way that I see it. I mean, I've, I've watched a few of the episodes for this season and, uh, I just look at it at the end of the day, like, you know, the digs night one, they're just digs. I mean, it's, uh, Matthew McConaughey, I listened to his book, green light, uh, audio book, loved it. And, uh, one of the sayings he put in there was when it comes to Hollywood, it's not personal, it's just business. So mm. I really believe that. And I don't hold a grudge. I don't think that I'm not mad at anybody for, saying something night one, I'm like, whatever, like it's, it's just business, you know, like the show is meant to be entertaining and to stir up drama and get people talking. So they're going to do that. It doesn't mean that those, mm-hmm. that these people that are doing this hate me. It just means it's a business. So right, I, it doesn't bother me. I'm like, whatever, I'm happy with my life. But I mean, I guess in a silver lining, a lot of people came to my defense online. So I think uh, it was kind of nice just to see people say like, you know, just leave him alone. Like he's went through yeah. it up and and I, it just kind of made me feel, uh, it kind of put a smile on my face. I was like, wow, like there are people out there that are in your corner. So that was cool to see. What do we have to look forward to from you? What's coming up? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm just, again, chasing my passions. And specifically, I'm doing the virtual online training. So I've been accepting clients now. Uh, people can reach out to me on Instagram, f- clicking the link in my bio. 
I'm also writing a book right now over mental health and my journey. Uh, it's going to be tailored uh, to high school and college age kids, really to anybody that really just wants to you know, be able to read the book and, and get, gather some insight, maybe some things that I wish that I would have known when I was that age. Uh, mm-hmm. Because again, I think there, it's important that we openly talk about mental health. We just stigmatize a lot of these conversations that men are afraid to talk about, that men and women are, that people just don't want to discuss, whether it's going to therapy because, you know, they feel that if you go to therapy, you have a problem. It's mm-hmm. not the case. Susie and I, are, we're in couples therapy right now. Like we're just in it because we feel like it's good to get ahead of things before uh, they actually surface. So that's therapy's, amazing. Wow. Yeah. Therapy has done so much for us. So I think, and, and therapy is actually something that's, it's really cool as, as we can see by social trends or just like the, I think that's becoming destigmatized greatly. People don't view it like they used to 10, 15 years ago as you go to therapy when you have a problem and, and you are a problem. I think we're, we have a more healthy relationship and viewpoint of therapy. So, but there's still other conversations, toxic masculinity, you know, men just talking about their emotions uh, and then just more so spreading this story of you're not alone, that we all go through uh, these struggles, but through a bit of re- resiliency and, and being able to build self-confidence, we can tackle a lot of this adversity that we face internally and, and really change our own narrative. So that's kind of the hope with my, the book that I'm pushing out is to be able to provide my story as a, as a story of resiliency and, and a story of where through being able to rewrite my narrative that I've been able to have a better grasp on my mental health. And just by sharing my story that's impacted others. And I hope that that'll inspire others to share their story as well. That's amazing, Clayton. I can't wait to read it. Be sure to send me a copy. Absolutely. I'll definitely do that. Thank you, Clayton. Thank you for chatting with me and good luck to you and Susie and Arizona and the whole thing. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So great talking to you. You too. We'll talk again sometime. I'm sure. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Not Skinny But Not Fat. Follow me on Instagram at Not Skinny But Not Fat. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. Rate the podcast that you love so much on Apple Podcasts and write a little review. If you tell me you did, I'll give you a big virtual smoocheroo. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you next Tuesday.